Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Danny Bauer. Daniel Bauer is on a mission to unlock the potential of global school leaders. He's a speaker and the host of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. He's also the author of the Better Leaders, Better Schools Roadmap, Small Ideas That Lead to Big Impact, published in 2018. You can follow Danny on Twitter at Alien Earbud. You heard that right. That's at Alien Earbud. On Instagram at the same handle, at Alien Earbud. And on his blog at betterleadersbetterschools.com. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? It's what I do. It's one of my favorite topics. So thanks for having me, Tim. Well, it's a pleasure. I've heard so much about you for such a long time. And of course, I've heard you on various podcasts, including your own, but a handful of others in my PLN. So this is pretty exciting to make this connection. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? I'm really very fortunate. Uh, I say that I have the best job in the world. I truly believe that. Uh, I think I have evidence to back it up too. You know, I get to, I have the privilege of just supporting school leaders 100% full-time. And nobody's arm, you know, is is uh, twisted to join uh, the work that we do. Everybody has enrolled themselves, and so on a daily basis, I'm working with leaders in a one-on-one or group context, uh, helping them, you know, just just level up. And if I'm not coaching, then I'm creating content or reading, uh, doing something that's going to uh, improve my skill set, so I could serve others at a higher level. Fantastic. I feel like without having the numbers in front of me, I feel like your podcast is just about the number one podcast in our space. So if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed to Danny Bauer's podcast, make sure that you do that. And I'm sure we'll we'll come back to that shortly. But I like to start at story time, Danny. So share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and describe how you overcame it. You know, I want to tell a story. I'm going to call this person Marie. And uh, it's not, it's a personal story. I'm coaching her through this. But uh, Marie is a principal and she is essentially getting run out of town. Uh, and it's a completely just terrible low moment. It hurts. You know, it hurts me to hear and, and to see what she's experiencing. And I see this so commonly, Tim, that. A district says that they want innovation, that they want change, and then they bring in a principal who just starts, just a little, drops a little pebble, I mean a minuscule pebble into the lake. The ripple effect begins, and some teachers get uncomfortable, and the senior leadership, the central office without a backbone, doesn't uh, support their leaders. And as a result, uh, these little squabbles that were private, uh, have become more public uh, within the board, in the newspaper, and that kind of stuff. And, and they haven't shown their cards, but the writing's on the wall. We know where this is going. And it just, it, it just pains me to see Marie go through this. Uh, and we've just talked about all the options she has. You know, the reason I'm telling this story is because despite uh, what level you are in education and what's happening in your current context. Bad stuff will happen, but it's your choice on how to respond, right? And the event in itself isn't necessarily positive or negative. It's it's the values that we assign to it. Uh, and really to, again, how we choose to respond and if they're in alignment with our morals, our principles. And so part of our conversations is really how does she want to author uh, what looks like the end of her adventure in this in this area and what does the next chapter look like and so that's something that we're currently grappling with 
Wow. Now, there's a lot of different directions we can go with that story, but I assume that's something you speak to in your book as well. So let's go there next. You talked about that pebble dropped in the lake and the ripples that that can cause. And sometimes even those small changes, when they are brought in or instituted with non-compliant constituents, let's say, (laughs) can be very, very difficult. So Sure. I imagine that's something you touch on in your book. You've titled it The Better Leaders, Better Schools Roadmap, Small Ideas. And there I'm thinking of that pebble, small ideas that lead to big impact. So tell us why you wrote the book and what can educational leaders expect to take from it? And they might be surprised, though. The first uh, two thirds of the book, Tim, is all about an inner journey. And the last third is really practical things. And, and that's what readers have said in their reviews or, or sending me emails, giving me call, that kind of thing, is that it's very practical, things they can put in place right away. Uh, so I do that because it's, it's definitely very much my coaching style. Uh, people might hire me, they want to uh, you know, become this better leader or whatever. Um, but I want to get to know them as an individual first, right? And where are they potentially, uh, you know, creating what what I would call an upper limit challenge, right? You know, maybe you are <laughs> uh, hitting your head on a ceiling that only exists for you, right? And uh, I was talking to somebody uh, just the other day. Uh, this was actually a, a green building architect engineer. It wasn't even somebody in education, but uh, we were coaching. I was coaching him through his ideal week. And one of the things that I found that he was stressed out about, and educators can relate to this, uh, he had these 20 things that he wanted to get done before the new year launched. And I said, well, how how many of those things, you know, is the government mandating? Like it has to get done or, or you're in big trouble. Uh, how many of those things is the CEO telling you, you have to get these done. And what we came to find out is that, uh, we'll call this guy Carl, uh, he was making up and putting the pressure on himself, right? And so that's why you got to dive in because when you get to the the inside scoop of the story, a lot of times you'll find out that you are limiting yourself and why. And so then we were able to, okay, if we realize that, let's find out really what is the priority uh, and let's let's make make the game um, fun and winnable, uh, so that you feel great entering 2020. So that's that's something um, that I think people would get out of the book as well. You are doing this coaching. You've talked about Carl's story. Can you get a little bit more specific about, in your view, what is one thing that educational leaders are spending time and energy on right now that maybe isn't really moving their school forward in the way that they want to? Anytime they're emailing, <laughs> yeah. what a gigantic freaking waste of time. Like, I'm not saying don't communicate. Okay. Let me be very clear about that. But the amount of effort, right, that you put into drafting these emails and all this kind of stuff, it is a waste of time, Tim. And I, I love to tell people this, you know, and it's funny because when you, when you shift people's perspectives and paradigms and they're like, oh my God, you know, is something that you start to see, but they don't see it yet. You're making the invisible visible. I just love just having this like belly laugh because I can see it on their face. Like what? You know, like this is true. Yeah, it's true. So you've never saved the world and the world will never be saved through an email that you write. <laughs> and and so I, I would just spend less time there, whether it's crafting it to the people that you care about, your stakeholders, your community, they probably don't want to read all that. And, and whether it's um, you just live in there, you know, these, these apps, email to, are designed specifically to uh, control our attention, to keep them living on that platform. Uh, a lot of them have ads on it. I know probably a school email doesn't, but the point is the more you uh, interact within that app or within email, uh, the more time you are not spending on important stuff. I make a distinction and probably talk about this in the book. I talk about it everywhere. Uh, There's a difference between deep work and shallow work. And if I could use a metaphor like poker, when the dealer passes out the deals of cards, right? If you're going to match the blind, that doesn't mean you're going to win the hand. That means you get to play. Shallow work doesn't mean you're going to win in your work, whether you're a teacher, a counselor, a principal. All it means is you get to keep your job. Deep work is the stuff that makes legends. Deep work is the stuff, like you said, that moves the needle forward. 
that inspires a whole tribe of people and makes meaningful change happen. Deep work is how you win poker. It's how you win life. Wow, that was that was rich, and I'm lamenting all the time that I spend on email. That's that you're you're challenging me here through this conversation. You know, some of the a couple of things popped into my mind. One, you can sit down for a quote productive email session, fire off ten emails, and then see seven instant replies, right? And so you get caught in a bit of a in a bit of a hamster wheel that way. But the other thing that you mentioned too is principles sitting down to carefully craft long emails. This is the age of TLDR, right? Too long, didn't read. When it's over three paragraphs, teachers are are literally ignoring it. They're moving past it. So we have to make our communication brief. And what I hear you saying is block that time out, maybe make it once a day or something like that and focus on the, on the other more significant things. Well, let's also talk about your podcast, Danny. It's amazing that you keep pumping these episodes out. They are so high quality. Of course, you're coming across the Atlantic. That makes no difference in the age of the internet. Tell us about an idea that's come up in recent interviews that really has your attention right now. Yeah, so this guy from uh, Australia reached out, and he was doing some work at Harvard, and he wrote this book, um, basically on storytelling and neuroscience. And uh, so his name is Jared Horvath. And uh, he was just a wonderful new connection uh, of mine. So uh, a new acquaintance. And his book was awesome. It confirmed a lot of things that I already believed about presenting, communication, storytelling. Uh, But the idea was important. I got very great feedback from uh, the podcast too. And essentially, he's just telling you how the brain operates and how to package that message. So to connect the dots, whether we're talking about these emails uh, and what we send out and how we want them to land, or if we're talking about when we bring the the faculty together and have an entire meeting there, or as a teacher teaching my students, podcasting, it's all the same. It's communication, it's communication. Uh, the point is that people respond to stories, right? Stories are... Uh, designed in a very specific way, and that also uh, invite the listener to participate and to connect uh, with empathy to the emotions that are going on, right? And so if you can do that, uh, you're going to have a huge success. Where leaders go wrong, where maybe teachers might go wrong, um, they think facts and figures are compelling. Hmm. They're not. (laughs) They are to an extent. And they are the people who love facts and figures, which is definitely not the majority of society, right? And so you want to you wanna connect with people's emotions and you want to tell stories. You want to use metaphors. If you remember back to my deep work, shallow work, I bet you're going to remember that metaphor about poker, right? It is part of a storytelling uh, technique that I want to use. And so that, that's something that I think was uh, really interesting on the podcast. You mentioned storytelling, and I think I heard the word branding in there. Is Now, I am a big fan of the concept of the brand or the reputation, and I think here in the edu podcasting space, it's important to develop your brand, right, just in, in order for people to sort of recognize you and understand what it is that you're all about. Is brand a word that you use with educational leaders when you're coaching them in terms of what is your school all about? What is your story? What is your brand? Or do you avoid that word? Oh, I don't think that I avoid it. I mean, it definitely it comes up, depends on the context. And I work with uh, entrepreneurs now too, as sort of um, on accident, they reached out through email and said, hey, you got groups for principals. What about business leaders in education? And, and so I started a, a leadership community for them. And we definitely talk about branding. But whether you're a business leader, a school leader, a classroom leader, the point is, uh, people are going to tell a story about their experience, whether it's at the class level or school level. What do you want that story to be? That's your brand, right? How do people feel about working with you, right? It's not it's not the course content that you're giving. It's not the level of uh, education and, and the graduate certificates and, uh, you know, whatever, like the amount of kids that go to college and, and the amount of money that they earn in uh in uh, scholarships, right? It's not the widget that you make as a business. It's how you make people feel. And that's a quote that we know, right? I don't care about all that stuff that you know until I know that you care. And uh, 
these things are not, it's, it's sort of common sense. It's out there, but they're just really powerful reminders. So your brand is how you make people feel. I was just listening to our, our, I was going to say our good friend. He's not our, our good friend, but Simon Sinek the other day. And <laughs> He's a he good friend, about, too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you're friends with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I appreciate what he says, of course, and start with why. And from a business perspective, that CEO needs to be, he calls it the walking embodiment of the values and the story of that corporation, right? That company. And it can be repetitive, but that story needs to constantly be heard. He needs to walk the walk, uh, he or she, pardon me. And the same thing occurs in our, our school environment, right? That our educational leaders need to be the ones repping the brand, telling the story of who we are and where we're going. Well, let me let me um, pause right there because uh, I don't know if you've done this um, for your podcast teachers on fire, Tim, or or uh, for the, the the leader listening. Uh, for your class, for your school, it's called the golden circle, right? That start with the why. So I really highly encourage everybody listening and you, Tim, if you haven't, to do this. And at Better Leaders, Better Schools, you know, our why is that everybody wins when a leader gets better, right? We do that through human connection and community building. And the way that that comes to life is through the communities we built, like the mastermind or like the Go community community. Uh, live events, the productivity sprint. So there's there's all these vehicles to make it happen. But at the end of the day, all that matters is that everybody wins. The students, the stakeholders, the parents, community members, business leaders, everybody in your community wins when you get better as a leader. Love it. Danny, when you look across education and your PLN, what else is setting you on fire about education today? I just love uh, when leaders get you know, really excited about vision. Where are we going in the next three years? And mm. I think uh, I think a lot of schools get it wrong in terms of, you know, they just say something that's very vanilla and that honestly, we could just pick 10 schools and, and Google uh, what their vision statement is. And it's going to be so much the same, right? 21st century learners, you know, <laughs> prepared for the workplace, you know, uh, collaborative, critical thinkers, blah, blah. Wait, I'm going to fall asleep during the podcast. So <laughs> anyways, you 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 want to craft something that's different, okay? That what Seth Godin would call a purple cow, right? Or my friend Jesse Cole, he runs a baseball team. He dresses up in a yellow tuxedo every day right? Because he's the leader of the Savannah Bananas. Why do, you know, what's the big deal with a purple cow? It's remarkable. When you go drive through rural America anywhere, you're going to see cows that are black and white, brown and white, whatever, but you're never going to see a purple cow. You want to do something different. Don't be vanilla. And so I coach leaders to uh, work on what I call a vivid vision, a three-year roadmap of your personal, family, and organizational life, but you can't memorize it. It's not a paragraph, right? It doesn't necessarily fit on the website. My vivid vision's uh, eight pages long, but it details all the things that I'm going to do over the next three years by December 31st, 2021. And Tim, here's the power. When you write it down, it happens. And, and it happens because you have focus, right? And it happens because you're doing it in public. You're telling people where you're going. So now you're getting dialed in. Now you're realizing that email is not going to get you to that three-year three, uh, vision. And so you align all your actions toward that. You build a team that's going to get you there. And then it happens. And you're just like, look at, look at what we did, guys. And you might just accomplish it too before the three years are over. So then what's possible, right? So that that stuff gets me super excited. And if I could uh, share, Tim, with your listeners, you know, we're actually doing a live event. I'm calling it Bollinger Tower, which is a reference to uh, a book you should check out called Deep Work uh, by Cal Newport. That book's all about focus and getting stuff done. And he tells, uh, he tells a story of the psych- psychologist uh, Carl Jung and um uh, he and I don't know if that's how you, I'm sorry I'm not great uh, if that's how you pronounce his name Young or Jung I'm sorry so I, I might be making a mistake but what I do know is that he built Bollingen Tower and he built this remote uh, place to live so that he could focus and do work and so our live event Bollingen Tower that's happening in the summer is going to be open only for 50 leaders. And if you would benefit from designing a roadmap of your next three years for your personal, just you life, family life, and organizational life, 
That's what uh, the leaders are going to be doing over two days in beautiful Taos, New Mexico. That sounds phenomenal. Thank you for that. Wow. Uh, I am into, speaking of Cal Newport, I'm into digital minimalism and yes. I've, got the, I've got the deep work audio books. I'm looking forward to digging into that. How are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice this year? Can you share about a specific professional goal or an area that you're working on? Maybe a, another project that you've got on the go right now? In 2020, um, in 2019-2020, I've invested in a number of uh, courses. So I took the Alt-MBA in February. Uh, that was a profound, like life-changing event. Uh, they saw something in me and they invited me to be a coach. So I'll continue coaching there. I've taken a, a course on finding mastery and just uh, identifying how to live and execute at your personal best. So that was pretty cool. Uh, a storytelling seminar by Seth Godin. Uh, I'm in a course right now about getting on more stages to impact more leaders and tell better stories, but also how to uh, make the connections I need to so I could speak on uh, more stages. Um, so in, in uh, uh, one on coaching as well. So I'm always reading about coaching and mindset and, and how to serve. So it's it's all around that. Like I can't help others develop, you know, personally or in their leadership if I'm not doing it myself. So I actually, Tim, I, I set aside 10% of my income so that I can just go to conferences, take courses, hire coaches, read books, all that stuff falls under the, the 10%. So that's one challenge for you, for the listeners you know, put away some pot of money if you want it to be 10% more or less, whatever, but do something that's intentional, right? Uh, and so that's that's uh, where I'm going professionally. That is a remarkable lineup. And I love that idea of investing 10% in our own personal and professional development. That's a steep marker, I think, for a lot of people, but an admirable goal. And I like the fact that you are walking the walk, as I referred to earlier. You are embodying that lifelong learner so very awesome very cool let me let me challenge you and the listener too though I, it is a steep goal right 10 percent is steep so maybe it's not 10 maybe it's five but think about it another way what might be lost right what is the cost of not investing in yourself right so many of us want to we have big dreams we have these ideas that we want to do right and maybe they're getting done maybe they're not but one of those things is like invest in yourself, you know, and and I just think there's a real big cost if you don't, you know, so just think about that. Wow. Okay. Looking forward to the conversations with the wife headed into 2020 yeah. <laughs> that are, are headed into our budget meeting. But don't you think um, like she would, right, wouldn't she so, be excited, sorry, Tim, but if, if, if you were a better husband, right, father, right, right. Uh, professionally, like wouldn't that be worth it to her? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Yeah, we, we have to have faith in that ROI, right? That it, it's going to be worth it. And I think I think our fear gets in the way. Yeah. Outside of education, Danny, I love asking this question because it sort of pulls back the curtains on who you are as a human being. Tell us about another area of learning for you. What is it that really ignites your passions when you leave pedagogy and coaching and consultancy? Uh, what is it that brings you alive as a human being? So uh, climbing mountains, I've I've found that that's pretty interesting. I'm not talking like Himalayas or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but what I didn't realize in Scotland, there's actually quite a lot, quite a lot of mountains. Uh, there's Monroes, which are, are uh, big hills. And then there's uh, Ben's like Ben Lomond was the first um, and only mountain I've climbed so far. But there's a number of, you know, different like Ben Nevis and whatever, all these mountains uh, to climb. So Ben Lomond was a uh, thousand meters, three thousand feet in the air, eight miles. Took about just under four hours up to the summit and down. And what a cool practice, you know. One, fitness-wise, it's it's a challenge. Two, just clearing your mind, right, Tim? Like getting out there, connected to nature. You know, obviously. Well, I guess you could like Instagram live it or something. Like, but I chose not to. I didn't. I took a, a couple pictures, but that's about it. And just being disconnected. And then the third, I think, value of it uh, is just realizing how small you are, you know, and that's a good thing, right? To be humbled by just the sheer vastness and beauty of uh, of, of nature, uh, of the universe, you know, our world. I mean, it's it's such a generous gift to give yourself. So I, I've hiked 
a few times, like in the Smoky Mountains when I lived in the U.S., uh, a little bit in Colorado with my friend that lives there in uh, Denver. Uh, but I think this is something I want to be more intentional about and start like getting trips um, planned and, and making sure I do a lot more. I've got access to some amazing hikes here in British Columbia, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit jealous of you traipsing through the hills and heather of Scotland. That, that's the land of my ancestors and I have yet to visit. So yeah, I, I would love to come over and join you sometime for one of those hikes. Share about a personal habit or a productivity hack, Danny, that contributes to your success. And I love what you've had to say already about email and deep work. So I look forward to hearing what is working for you. What helps you get it all done? Tim, feel free to visit me in Scotland. Like I'm serious. Uh, if you want to, we have a, we have a guest room and we can hike a mountain. So, and I know there's a lot of connections between uh, Canada and Scotland. So that's, that's pretty cool. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, seriously. I mean, it's just such a beautiful country. All right. So personal habit, productivity, uh, listeners check out a book called measure what matters. All right. And that book talks about objectives and key results, OKRs. Uh, and I have a pretty extensive blog post on that too. We can link it up maybe in the show notes um, that walks through it. But essentially you have your objectives, like your big ambitious goals, all right? Uh, things that you don't even think you can achieve. Uh, and then that's okay if you come up a little short because you're probably still going to get further than you thought was possible. And your key results are all the things that that help you uh, get to those objectives objectives. So in my life um, right now, I have five objectives. Uh, I want to help more school leaders level up, create amazing content, increase brand awareness, launch a live event, and improve fitness. So uh, we'll talk live events since I brought that up during the podcast. So if that's the objective, the key results that I'm measuring, Tim, uh, I'm, I wanted to sell 20 early bird tickets by October 31st. So I did. Uh, I wanted to personally invite 100 leaders, and I haven't completed that yet. So that still needs attention. I wanted to sell out the event eventually, and the event's in July. So I have not done that yet. And then I wanted to ship the what you call a landing page, but just a place where you know somebody, a leader would land to learn more about the event. And obviously, you need that so people know that it's out there and, and uh, a possibility to help them level up to write a three-year uh, vision for their lives. And so that those five goals uh, guide everything I do every single week. Um, that's not everything I do. I still have to email. I still get on social. I have to coach, right? Um, but these are the big, big rocks. And during blocks of time on each day, I'm going to chip away towards all these goals, right? So you can even think about it uh, metacognitively here. I'm on your show. Thank you for having me. And I talked a bit about the live event. That's helping a key result uh, get closer to being completed. Maybe somebody will uh, end up coming to this amazing event from your audience. Maybe it'll be you, Tim. I don't know. But the point is like objectives, key results. The book was Measure What Matters. And, and the most rewarding part of what I do with leaders is to see them actually do it, to execute it. Because uh, the Japanese have a proverb that that vision without implementation is merely a daydream, right? Uh, and in Measure What Matters, the, the author, John Doerr, says ideas are easy, execution's everything, right? So I've talked, hopefully you've been a bit inspired you know, from the conversation and the challenge to you, Tim, and to the listener, take action on one idea, you know, just one, pick it, whatever you think you can move the needle on and do it because that's going to help you get just, uh, just 1% better. And again, connecting it to my why, everybody wins when a leader gets better. So OKRs is that hack. And one last thing about that, do it in public. So tell everybody that you're doing it. Tell your teammates, tell your colleagues, tell your partner, tell your kids, tell everybody. So do it in public and then do it within in some sort of group. So if that's a PLN you know, that you've built on Twitter, if you end up joining a leadership community like I do, the mastermind, or there's a million, you know, uh, private Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, like all that kind of stuff, but don't do it alone. Isolation is absolutely the number one enemy of excellence. And so make sure you do it with some other people. Well, I love the idea of OKRs. I have not heard of that before. I have heard of KPI, and that's something that Pat Flynn and other entrepreneurial leaders talk about, key performance indicators. But 
I love the OKRs because you've got that idea of what is our objective. And that fits really nicely with learning targets. In my eighth grade classroom, you know, we put up a, a learning target on the board or on the Google Doc, wherever it might be. And we're all super clear on what we're aiming for. And that's what I hear in, in what you're describing as well. And I like that piece about the public accountability, because once you once you blog about it, once you talk about it on air, it's out there and now you're accountable to your audience. And so that that is powerful leverage, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I do through the blog, through the podcast, through the leadership community. We always have a, a, the mastermind, a one big thing that we say what we're going to do for the next week. Uh, and yeah, it, it, for your eighth grade students, you should tell them, here's what we're going to accomplish, you know, or even personally what you're trying to do so that they can ask you about it, right? You build in that accountability. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're a leader and you're trying, let's say, getting back to the email thing and you want to email less and you tell people from uh, on Mondays from 9 to 1130, I'm going to do really important work on the vision of the school, right? And then you see that the leader is uh, playing basketball with kids. They're going to get called out on that, you know? And so that's why it's so beautiful and powerful to tell people in public what you're all about because uh, you've given them permission to, to hold you accountable to accomplishing what you say is important, you know? Uh, are your words and your deeds in alignment? Amazing. Well, Danny, it's time for your quick picks, the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Uh, Aubrey Patterson, so a fellow Canadian, so shout out to that. How about there? Uh, and and uh, he is somebody that I just discovered. I don't even remember how we connected. I know it was on Twitter, but I don't know why our paths crossed. And he has an organization that he's building called Nohea. And I just like his vibe. I like what he's all about. He's incredibly positive. Uh, his message is simplify, amplify, clarify. And he's really good at it. And so I just love Aubrey. He's an awesome guy and everyone should uh, check him out. Point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice. I have a new sponsor for the first quarter of 2020. And I'm going to tell you that it is SaneBox. And they're my sponsor because I love their product. So I, uh, months ago, I've been using it for like six months. I ordered a SaneBox. You pay for a year and it magically takes all the garbage that it really isn't important and puts it in other folders that you still have to check. But through its uh, API, through its uh, uh, coding and tech stuff that I can't explain, it magically makes only the important stuff get into your inbox so you can focus. And that way you, you're not spending as much time in your email as well. So SaneBox is incredible. It, it literally tells me each week how many hours that I've saved by using it. And what's funny is um, the CEO writes everybody that uses the product, hey, how's it going? Tell, you know, tell us, are you enjoying it? And that kind of stuff. And Tim, I was like, and maybe you could use this as a tip. Uh, I said, hey, you should sponsor the show. I work with educators. They need this. They get a lot of garbage. And that's just an area where they want to grow. So it's a win-win for everybody, right? They get to serve more. Uh, leaders that use it will have more clarity and focus and only important stuff will get to their inbox. And uh, it's a win for me too because they're sponsoring the show. So uh, you could get a free trial. And if you go to betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash SaneBox, you could actually get a $25 credit. That's more than anywhere. I don't get paid at all for that. That's just that's just for you uh, and something that we, you know, we uh, talked about as, as a gift for listeners. So you know, you could get that towards your subscription. Recommend one book, one that you've been reading lately, or perhaps one of your all-time faves that's been influential and tell us why you recommend it. All-time faves is The Art of Possibility. Um, I, have you read that one, Tim? No, I have not. Okay. So it's it's from a husband and wife team, which is I just think is a beautiful thing. Uh, ben Zander, who is a, a, uh, a conductor and composer of symphonic music. And then his wife, um, Rosamund Stone Zander, is a, a therapist. And in The Art of Possibility, they present 12 practices that will really just enrich your life. And they've impacted me actually so much. Um, I have a company called 12 Practices that owns Better Leaders, Better Schools, and a few other ventures that I have. And uh, it, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, for example, connecting this to, I think I called him Carl <laughs> in the podcast, 
when he had that upper limit challenge and those 20 things he wanted to get done before uh, January 1st, um, it's all invented as one of those practices, right? So just helping people see that we make up the rules a lot of times. They're not as black and white or as rigid as we think. And so if we approach life or a challenge with more curiosity, with flexibility, with growth mindset, which I know you know, Tim, like that will absolutely enrich your life. And so it's all invented, uh, giving an A, rule number six, there are so many good practices that uh, you and the listeners should check out. You're a podcaster, and my theory is that every podcaster is first a podcast fan, so you must be listening to some <laughs> as well. <laughs> Tell us uh, about one of your faves. What's at the top of your deck? Oh, man, I listen to too many podcasts, and, and I go back and forth where um, I get into like audiobooks and do that for like binge for like two, three months, and then go back to podcasts. Uh, but, you know, I think um, Akimbo by Seth Godin's great. Uh, I like um, The Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish. Well, I know you only want one or two, so I'll stop there. Tell us about a YouTube channel that enriches your life, either professionally, maybe one that you gain learning and inspiration from there, or one that you just find personally amusing. I uh, late night with Stephen Colbert, you know, so yes. I, 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 <laughs> and he helps, you know, just bring levity to the world and, and everything. And so uh, thank you, Stephen, if you're listening, <laughs> for just helping me laugh and get through uh, the hard stuff. So yes, yeah, that would be the one that I watch. Although I will say Stephen is a little slanted on the political side of things, so you have to you have to sort of share his his perspective. But I do enjoy him; <laughs> he's one of my go tos as well. Last question, Danny: What are you watching on Netflix right now? Now you strike me as one of these hyper productive, deep work kind of people, so maybe you're not watching a lot of movies. But when you are, is there a series or a show that you've seen lately that has been awesome for you? Yeah, you know, at night I will wind down and uh, Miriam and I will watch some shows. And, and one that I, I challenged her to watch with me, she did not want to watch, uh, but she loves it. It's not Netflix, it's Amazon Prime, or it's it's actually my HBO subscription in Amazon Prime, but it's uh, The Watchmen. I don't know if you're checking that out, Tim, but it is a must watch. It is incredible. What What's the nature? I watched the Jack Ryan series on Amazon. What's the nature of The Watchmen? If you like Jack Ryan, I think you'll like The Watchmen. I mean, it's going to have uh, action components to it. It's um, it's a, a re-envisioning of a classic graphic novel, maybe some argue the best graphic novel ever written, called The Watchmen. And then there's Got a it. Watchmen uh, movie. Uh, but this is just a, a re-envisioning of it. And it talks a lot. It, it, it's in a made-up world, okay? So there's you know some uh, comic and fantasy components to it. But it really tackles some tough issues uh, regarding race and trauma. And I, I just think it's a really important watch and very entertaining as well. Danny, your message is so profound, so significant, so impactful. I'm going to enjoy re-listening to this episode. What are the best ways for listeners who are new to you to connect and follow you online? Yeah, uh, you can feel free to email me. Even though I have SaneBox, uh, I do respond to emails. I just don't spend a lot of time there. Um, so I respond to everyone. Daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, so that's at Alien Earbud, as you mentioned, Tim. And if you want to call or text me, it's 312-788-7595. All right. That is another move toward the mobile accessibility. I, I like that too. Well, Danny, this has been thoroughly interesting and enlightening. What a pleasure to make your acquaintance here in real time. So I want to extend a humble and heartfelt thanks for coming on the show on relatively short notice here and just dropping absolute value bombs. Take care. And I look forward to connecting again soon. Tim, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the show. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share highlights from Around the Teachers on Fire community this week. First up on Twitter, where Taylor Armstrong at Taylor underscore does underscore IT tweeted, You've got me hooked. Love the podcast. Abby is so awesome. I needed that closure on why she was messing with that snake. Keep bringing the fire, man. Love it. 
Well, thank you for that, Taylor. And yes, I was looking forward to that snake story as well from Abby French, my last guest. Wonderful to hear that. Next, Bob Bednar at B Bednar tweeted, Thank you so much for the mention and for all of your efforts to inspire us as educators. Teachers are artists, and as John Steinbeck wrote, teaching might even be the greatest of the arts since the medium is, is the human mind and spirit. Excerpt from Innovate Inside the Box by George Kuros and Katie Novak. Well, thank you, Bob, for that. And Bob, you continue to be a uh, just a, a steady and reliable support for the podcast, and, and that is so appreciated. Next up, Kelly Bahri at KBAHRI5 tweeted, A shout out to AW, or pardon me, at AW French One and her podcast with At Teachers on Fire. Oh boy, Abby is a total natural in speaking about teaching and education, and it was fun looking into her life as a, quote, nature snake picking up mushroom hunting, end quote, girl. Abby, you are super cool, and I have to agree. Thank you for that, Kelly. Next up, Aubrey Patterson, at Patterson Aubrey tweeted, at Teachers on Fire is super lit with at AW French one, at Mr. KV. Loved the episode, honored and humbled by the mention. Well, thank you, Aubrey, and I look forward to hearing more about Nohea Kindred. Next up, Bonnie Neves at Biology Goddess tweeted, Ooh, something to listen to on the plane trip, or the flight, I guess that would be. She's using an emoji there. The flight home from Arizona tonight. And thank you, Bonnie. I hope that made for good listening on the plane. Next up, Brian Carpenter at Brian Carr tweeted, Quote, at AW French One shares her journey and reason for teaching as she was not well supported as a student and wants to take care of those like her today. Spoke to my heart as I listened to At Teachers on Fire episode 111 today while putting up Christmas lights. You should listen, PLN, and I have to agree with that advice. Thank you, Brian. Next up, Daniel Bauer, who was my guest today, he tweeted at, and his Twitter handle is at Alien Earbud. He tweeted, if you're not listening to At Teachers on Fire podcast yet, you need to give it a listen. Tim is a generous host with an impactful show. Hashtag hustle for good. Hashtag ruckus maker. Well, thank you for that, Danny. It was such a pleasure to publish our conversation and I've gained so much. Your advice feels so timely to me as I head into 2020 and set new goals for the year. So thank you again. Next up on Twitter, Elizabeth DeVries at MME DeVries tweeted, loved listening to at Teachers on Fire and learning with and about at AW French One as I snuck in a run after my PM session today. Great prompt to ask learners, quote, how do you want to show me your understanding, end quote, and a great reminder for creating connections in our classrooms. Well, thank you for that, Elizabeth. And I have to say, yes, that assessment philosophy is right up my alley as well. So thank you again, Abby, for that. Next up, Teach Better Team at Teach Better Team tweeted, there are so many outstanding education-focused podcasts. Which ones are you listening to? Check out our top 12 right now here. And they drop a URL and then tag Mr. P. Strunk. That's uh, Phil Strunk. At Joshua double underscore stamper and of course he's a good friend and the host of the aspire podcast at cult of pedagogy and of course that's jennifer gonzalez legend at teachers on fire hashtag teach better hashtag teach better 19 well thank you again teach better team and that's jeff gargas ray hewitt tiffany on and chad ostrowski and of course, uh, massive respect for Jeff Gargas and Ray in particular, Ray Hewitt, as they continue to lead the way with their Teach Better Talk podcast, not to be confused with the Teach Better team. That's Teach Better Talk if you are searching for them in your podcast app. Next up, Adam Moeller at Moeller3031 tweeted, Great episode. Listen to it on my way to work. Interesting how Virginia requires two PBL assessments per year with no state social studies test. Thank you for that, Adam. Adam continues to be one of those legendary guests of mine. He, I think he was episode 13, and I continue to be inspired by his work in the classroom. So thank you, Adam. Next, Anik Roke at Anik Roke tweeted, You are consistently crushing it every week with your podcast, Tim. 
Thanks for sharing and amplifying the voices of so many. Well, thank you for that, Anik. And I so appreciated your blog post this week about how to shift our mindsets in relation to those weekly goals. And Anik has put together an amazing year of blogging, and I'm so look forward to seeing what comes next for her. Hopefully, at least another year of blogging, but I wonder if a book might be on the way as well. Next up, the Ycast at T Y Cast, or maybe I should spell that at T W H Y Cast. There we go. He tweeted, You're a star, Abs. This episode was so good. At Mr. KV, you pick the best guests. Well, I have to agree with you there, Justin. And Justin, of course, is the host of the Ycast podcast. And he's been active on Twitter as of late or active-ish, but we do look forward to you getting back behind the mic, sir. And he hinted the other day that that might be happening in 2020. Next up on Twitter, uh, oh my gosh, next <laughs> next up on Twitter, Kelly Dunn at Kelly in HK, that's Hong Kong, tweeted, day two of hashtag 12 days Twitter. My fave edu book is hashtag LearnLAP at LearnLAP. Totally transformed my classroom. For regular podcast listening, I keep returning to at Cult of Pedagogy, at Jake Miller Techs, hashtag EduDuctTape, and at Teacher on, or pardon me, and at Teachers on Fire. All fab. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. That is heady company to be in. I so respect Jake and Jennifer and the work that they do. And of course, they do so much more than podcasting. And so I'm so pleased and honored that you are tuning in from across the, the Pacific Pond. Next up, Mr. Coppola, that's Tony, at Mr. Coppola, tweeted, Hey, Abby, don't mean to disrupt this cool thread, but I started listening to your interview on the At Teachers on Fire podcast this morning. So cool. Thank you, Tony. Next up, Francois Node, PhD, at super underscore teacher underscore F, tweeted, such a great interview on the At Teachers on Fire podcast with at AW French one such a versatile super teacher, and hashtag snake lady. Thank you, Francois, for that one. Next up, Stephanie Edmonds, at Class Disruption, tweeted, such a fun chat with At Teachers on Fire via Instagram Live. I have many new ideas about Google Classroom as well as hosting conversations. I have a habit of starting a story, telling three others, and weaving back to the end of the original one. So I appreciate you keeping us on track. Well, thank you for that, Stephanie. And if you don't recall, Stephanie is fabulous on Twitter, but even more so on Instagram, where she puts out great series of stories every day. And they always begin with, hello, you beautiful, I think she says, <laughs> hello, all you beautiful faces. And then she signs off with, keep, I'm murdering this, Stephanie. She signs off with, stay foolish, y'all. And I just love that playful spirit and her optimism. She is so thoughtful in her practice as well and putting out great stuff on both platforms. So make sure you give her a follow. That's at Class Disruption. And of course, she alluded to our Instagram live session, which went down last Monday. Next up on Twitter, Patrick Hauseman at PHouseEDU tweeted, check out this podcast at Teachers on Fire with at Unison EDU team and board member at AW French one and several fire emojis followed. Thank you for that, Patrick. Well, I'm going to leave it there on the Twitter sphere, but for all of those who have viewed, read, liked, replied, or retweeted my comments and ideas on Twitter, thank you so much. You were the fuel to my fire this week, and I do believe it was a record week on Twitter for activity. Next up is Instagram, and I won't make this as long as Twitter, but just three mentions there. First, George Valenzuela, at George Does PBL. Great virtual friend. I haven't met George in person, but George, I love you, brother. He wrote, great work, Mr. KV. You're doing fine work with your awesome students. And that was on a post where I shared some of the amazing coding work done by one of my eighth graders. Next up, Kelly Barry at KBAHRI6 wrote, I was inspired by at Teachers on Fire to post this, a typical pickup from the floor after school. Can anyone else relate? And of course, I had some fun photographing and posting on Twitter, or pardon me, on Instagram, kind of my haul of pencils picked up from the floor at the end of the day. And it seems like every day I'm picking up six or eight or 10 pencils and pens, and we don't even use them all that much, which is really funny to me. But Kelly shared some of her own haul as well. So that was pretty fun. 
And then finally on Instagram, Jonathan Kung at Cool Putty Tat wrote, I could open a stationary store with all the stuff kids leave behind and never reclaim. I'm talking scissors, rulers, calculators, cardstock, etc. And I totally get it, man. Thank you, Jonathan, for commenting. Jonathan comes to us from the Delta School District here in my neighborhood. Well, while I've got you here, teachers, I just want to mention the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium. Three pieces there to tell you about this week. One by Debbie Tannenbaum at Mrs. B on Twitter. She wrote one called Website Superpowers, and in it, Debbie talks about her mission to revamp her school's website. So if that happens to be your wheelhouse or something you are trying to take on, you might be interested in that article. And then Dr. Deborah M. Vereen at Dr. D.M. Vereen published, Do you have 2020 vision for the new year? Where she shares her vision and and in the piece she shares, of course, her mission and vision for family engagement and education and that's her particular niche. And then finally, Caitlin Giordano at Mrs. Underscore Giordano wrote, Teachers, Twitter can change your life. And in it, she writes about her own transformative journey that she's been on thanks to the social media platform. And I so appreciate Caitlin's transparency, and you can count on that in just about every article she writes. She shares directly from her own journey, and it's really awesome. Thank you for that, Caitlin. And of course, you know I so agree with your take on Twitter. Well, if you're wondering where the Teachers on Fire magazine can be found, it's located on medium.com or on the Medium app. And you can log in there and track us down at the Teachers on Fire magazine. I will leave you with this quote from my reading, Teachers on Fire. comes from a book called Be Real, Educate from the Heart by our good friend Tara Martin at taramartinedu. And she writes, quote, Positive relationships change the way you think. They act as anchors, stabilize the mind, and ultimately, the heart, end quote. And again, positive relationships. She is all about those relationships, and she really is on to something. We know from many studies and a lot of research now that kids do not learn well when they do not enjoy positive relationships in the classroom and when they do not believe that anyone in the building believes in them. And so flip that around and As we invest in our students, as we build those relationships, as we tell them we love them, we're proud of them, we invest in them, we believe in them, watch that learning take off. And it really is all about relationships. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard today from Danny Bauer ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care and have a great week.